Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. So why is our government still keeping secrets about the Kennedy assassination? We are soon to mark the 59th anniversary of November 22nd, 1963. This the subject of an essay recently in Politico magazine by Philip Sheenan. He's the best-selling author of The Commission, The Uncensored History of the 9-11 Investigation. More importantly, for our purposes, the author of A Cruel and Shocking Act, The Secret History of the Kennedy Assassination. Philip spent more than 20 years at the New York Times. He was the Washington correspondent for the Times, covering the Pentagon, the Justice Department, and the State Department. This is Philip Sheenan. Philip, thank you so much for coming back to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. So in the National Archives sit 14,000 classified documents. By the way, how many is that really? Like all this talk about Trump and Mar-a-Lago and what he was keeping in the basement. If we're talking about 14,000 classified documents, what what does that mean in terms of uh, bread boxes? Uh, Wow, I don't know in terms of bread boxes. I mean, it it would be many more thousands of pages, you know, maybe more than 100,000 pages. But I think we should be clear about one thing is that most of these documents are not withheld in full. In many cases, in in some cases, just words or names or locations are added to that. We have most of the document. We just don't have bits and pieces of information. In some documents, though, a handful of documents have been withheld entirely all these years. And why? I mean, what's the overarching theme or argument as to why the public hasn't seen everything? Well, the law that allowed the release of all these documents from 1992 allowed the government to withhold some if there were concerns about national security or foreign policy or if there were individual people named in the documents who might somehow be endangered if their names became public. But in 2017, on the 25th anniversary of this law, everything was supposed to be made public with a handful of exceptions. Um, Then President Donald Trump decided to waive that deadline and allowed thousands of documents to continue to be withheld. We now know, or at least I now know from some uh, internal documents of the National Archives, that documents have been withheld to this day because they name individual people, informants, Uh, for the CIA or the FBI, for example, who could be in some danger if their names were made public. Those people would now be very old, and a lot of them apparently are overseas. But the CIA and the FBI continue to want to, or what they say is they continue to want to protect those people from um, being intimidated or even being threatened with violence if their names became public. And as you describe in the piece that you wrote for Politico, there's a bureaucratic dispute that on one side you've got the National Archives and on the other side you've got the FBI, the CIA, and other agencies seeking to keep these matters secret? Well, these internal documents, most of them go back to 2017 when this big deadline loomed for releasing everything. And it shows that the National Archives really valiantly tried to force the CIA and the FBI in particular to to make these documents public, to, to abide by the law. Uh, but they weren't very successful. And, of course, President Trump, at the end of the day, decided to side with the CIA and FBI and allowed them to uh, remain secret. And what was his at least stated uh, objective or purpose at that time when he came down on the side of the agencies and not the National Archives? Well, I'll tell you that these documents show it was a mess in 2017, and there wasn't much serious debate going on at the White House about what to release and what not to release. 
he made uh, President Trump then made sort of a general statement about the need to to protect national security and uh, foreign policy. Um, and he didn't really clarify what the problem was. I'd say these internal documents that we've now got showed that this was the concern at that time on the part of the CIA and the FBI in particular, that they wanted to protect individual human beings who were still alive and who might be intimidated or even threatened with violence if their names became known. I'd love to know. I, I wonder if you know and, and are at liberty to at least describe some tangible examples. You know, here is a case where a person A was an informant for a CIA or FBI investigation. Today, they are living in such and such a location. They're 88 years old. We feel that they're, they would still be jeopardized. I mean, do you know any tangible examples of what we're really talking about? I don't know. I don't know individual human beings. I do know that a lot of the people who are being protected to this day uh, are overseas. And in particular, they are in Mexico. Hmm. Um, and there's this whole chapter to the Kennedy assassination story that I don't think people know about, which is involves Lee Harvey Oswald's very mysterious trip to Mexico City just several weeks before the assassination, where we know from previously declassified files he was meeting with Russian spies and Cuban spies, and he was going to the embassies of both of those countries uh, trying to get visas that would allow him to defect to Cuba. And a lot of people, informants on the ground in Mexico City for the CIA and the FBI, I believe those are some of the individuals still being protected to this day. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Do you think that the agencies, in anticipation of the debate about these documents, ran down where are those people today? Or is it just a presumption that some of them must still be alive? In many cases, as I understand, the CIA and the FBI claim they don't know where these people are. They can't quite determine if they're still alive, mm -hmm. uh, and they just want to default to protecting them on the assumption that they might still be alive. I, I think there are, though, individual cases where the CIA and the FBI have reached out to informants to tell them that they may be named in these documents, and, and is, is that of concern to them? And in a handful of cases, apparently these people came back and said, yes, please don't release my interesting, name. Interesting. Interesting. Philip, all this does, as you well know and write about, is spur conspiracy theories among us, right? As, as long as the documents aren't handed over, people are going to assume about them whatever suits their own purpose. Absolutely. You know, it's a very it's a logical question. What could possibly be so secret after 60 years that 
information still has to be withheld. And the point of this 1992 law, which came in the wake of Oliver Stone's, you know, conspiracy-soaked JFK movie, Mm -hmm. uh, was the idea was to to convince the public that the government was not hiding secrets about the death of a president. Yet um, all these years later, despite that law in 1992, we still have secrets withheld. And, you know, the conspiracy theorists, I guess, justifiably run wild with that fact. I'm really intrigued by what you also wrote, the 500 documents that have been exempted. They will remain forever secret. Can you speak to that issue? Well, they, some of them won't remain forever secret, but uh, they were given to the government under deed. The ones that may be most intriguing to most people involve tape recordings uh, made by the, the, the journalist William Manchester, tape recordings of his interviews with Jackie Kennedy and with Bobby Kennedy, in 1964 in preparation for his book, The Death of a President. And apparently there are 10 hours of wrenching conversations with Mrs. Kennedy about what went on inside the limousine in Dealey Plaza and what went on in the, uh, you know, the days before and after the assassination. But under this deed from the Kennedy family, those particular items can't be released until 2067, which is the 100th anniversary of Manchester's book. Manchester said she withheld nothing. The interviews you write in Mrs. Kennedy's home in Georgetown were bearable only because of the cocktails they drank throughout, he suggested. And then another quote, future historians may be puzzled by the odd clunking noises on the tapes. They were ice cubes. The only way we could get through these long evenings was with the aid of great containers of daiquiris. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful quotation. There's also, and apparently said, the other, the other sound you'll hear a lot of is matches being struck because they were both smoking throughout. And apparently Mrs. Kennedy was very sensitive to the fact that she didn't want the public to know that she smoked. So that's a, a piece of information that Manchester was asked to leave out of his book. I mentioned that you wrote a book called A Cruel and Shocking Act. This was in 2013, A Secret History of the Kennedy Assassination. What do you most want to know? What I most want to know is what happened in Mexico City. You know, I began this project. This began as a history of the Warren Commission, the the White House Commission that investigated the assassination. But what I stumbled into is this really bizarre set of circumstances in Mexico City. I knew nothing about Oswald's trip there before I began work on the book. But Oswald, uh, several weeks before the assassination, goes to Mexico City And as I say, we now know that he's watched in Mexico City by the FBI and the CIA as he's meeting with Cuban spies and Russian spies, including, incredibly, a KGB assassinations expert. And again, the CIA and the FBI knows that this man Oswald is there. They know he's having these meetings. And it seems to me very clear that the CIA and FBI were determined to make sure nobody figured out what happened in Mexico City because it would prove that they had stumbled with information that could have saved Kennedy's life if it had simply been passed back to the United States. In other words, even even if the Cubans were not in on it, even if the Russians were not in on it, the fact that he had consulted with them would have put him on the radar screen more so than he was. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that Lee Harvey Oswald, the self-declared Marxist, the guy who had previously tried to defect to the Soviet Union... The fact that he's meeting with a KGB assassinations expert in Mexico City, wouldn't you think that would raise an sure. alarm within the CIA that should be passed along to the Secret Service? That, and the other thing we also know from declassified documents is that apparently Oswald boasted in Mexico City about his intention to kill Kennedy. 
You would think if any of that information had been passed along to the Secret Service in the fall of 1963, uh, Oswald would have been stopped. Well, how much of that was known to the Warren Commission? Very little of it was. And I I will say this, uh, I'll state this as fact because I really think I understand this now, is that CIA really did attempt to cover up what it knew about Oswald in Mexico City. Again, mostly it's a CYA situation. They were incompetent. They didn't act on the intelligence they had before them, and they didn't want anybody to know that. Hmm. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Uh, I remember reading uh, Gerald Posner's Case Closed and and interviewing him a couple of times about it. You know, he set out to buy into one of the conspiracies and came away with the conclusion that the Warren Commission had got it right. What's your opinion? Well, I think the Warren Commission got it right in in its essential conclusion, which is that Lee Harvey Oswald was almost certainly the gunman in in Dallas. Um, but I think even Posner would acknowledge to this day that it appears the Warren Commission wasn't told many things. And it also wasn't told that the Kennedy administration had been attempting for years to assassinate Fidel Castro. And didn't that raise the question of whether or not Castro had set out to kill Kennedy before Kennedy killed him? And again, all that information, everything about the Castro plots was withheld from the Warren Commission. So how much how much longer do I have to hang on to to see the documents <laughs> if I want to see everything? I don't think I'm going to meet the Manchester deadline. I don't know about that. I think I'm I'm afraid I'm, I'm with you there. They, I, I, apparently, we will get a pretty sizable dump of documents in December. Uh, but I'm, as I say, there are some documents. As I say in the piece, there are some documents that we we may never see. And in fact, I think people were disappointed with the way, certainly the way Trump handled it, and also the way President Biden has handled it. Because they've really left open to the the door to the idea that there are some secrets that we will never know. I have a final thought. I always believed, and I, I don't have your knowledge and expertise on the subject, I always thought it was a mob thing. I always thought that Sam Giancana was sharing women with President Kennedy or some such thing, and that that was going to show up in the files. But it sounds more like it's CIA Mexico City that has held things from the public. Well, certainly that's my view. There are people who argue that you know, the, the idea of a mob plot to kill Kennedy is logical. The mob had reason, perhaps, to want to see President Kennedy dead. And Lee Harvey Oswald did have indirect ties to the mob, as did Jack Ruby, the man who kills Oswald. 
So I say asking those questions was very logical. But as somebody who's looked at this for several years now, I, I think there are many more questions about who knew in Mexico City that this young, delusional former Marine who had rifle training was talking openly about president, uh, about killing President Kennedy. And why didn't the CIA and FBI act on that information when they knew it in September and October of 1963? Hey, a final thought. You remind me that my friend, the late, great Arlen Specter, used to object when I would refer to the single bullet theory. He would say to me, Michael? It's the single bullet conclusion, <laughs> conclusion, because he thought he'd proven right. it. Well, I think Ar- Arlen Specter, in my research, looks pretty good. He was really? a diligent investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, he did his work well, and he is considered the father of the magic bullet yeah. theory. Mm-hmm. In my book, I, I come to the conclusion that the magic, the magic bullet theory is almost certainly correct. But it's, it's a conclusion that I've offered to the public that I get most criticism for. I, I do think that, that if you look over all the evidence, the magic bullet theory makes sense. Though I can see where people would want to believe otherwise. Philip, that was fascinating. I must say, I have such an appetite for it. And I know that so many of us do. It, it never grows tired. And, and we always want to know more. Maybe in December you'll come back when there's that, uh, that dump of documents. I'll look forward to it. Thank you very much. Philip Sheenan, ladies and gentlemen, is the best-selling author of The Commission, The Uncensored History of the 9-11 Commission, and A Cruel and Shocking Act, The Secret History of the Kennedy Assassination. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.